Hi guys, this is Keeping It Real with Bridget O'Neill here. The story behind the storytellers. I interview the biggest, best storytellers who also partner as hosts, comedians, and writers. You know when you hear a five-minute story on the moth and you think, hmm, I wonder what happened to them since. How has it changed them or affected their life? Who is this person on a daily basis? Well, I'll help you uncover those questions and we'll have fun along the way, I promise. Today we have Sandy Marks, a seven-time Moth Story Slam champ. She's performed all over the country and can be heard on several podcasts, including Risk, A Hot Mic with Dan Savage, Story Collider, and countless others. She is definitely a fixture on the New York storytelling scene, folks. She's amazing. She's adorable. She's the best. She's so well-loved. And more exciting is she is now going to be the subject of an upcoming documentary called The Fabulist. Last but not least, she's also the host of Mistakes Were Made. Check her out, folks. Sandy Marks. And the pivot, the pivotal moment was I had auditioned to be in a Broadway show that I really wanted more than any other show I'd ever auditioned for, which was a chorus line on Broadway. You and were a dancer? I was a dancer. And the role was Morales, which was a very big role, originally created by Priscilla Lopez. And I wanted that job so badly. Um, and I was sort of prepared. But I also would had a really pretty strong sense of who I was which was not that great at dancing, really, or and I couldn't sing at all. So I get to the audition, and I actually do really well. Okay. And I spend seven or eight hours there, which is how it works when you audition for a Broadway show. You keep getting called back, called back. They whittle down the crowd. You keep doing new dance combinations until finally they made me sing the song I'd have to sing in the show, Uh-oh. which was What I Did for Love, which is a big song. And I had to sing it in the original key, which was C. So I got out there, and Michael Bennett was still alive. He was the original you know, person who created that show, and he's sitting in the audience, wow. and I'm singing for him. And I, Were you scared? I was scared out of my mind, but and it was a really dark theater, which is one light in the you know the theater, empty theater. It's the Schubert Theater, and I've been there all day. This is it. I'm going to get this job, oh, the job of my dreams. I'm going to be who I think I should be. And uh, after about seven bars of that song, Michael Bennett very politely says, "Thank you," oh, no. which in theater parlance means "fuck off, fuck off, girl." <laughs> so, but he was very nice, and he said. You don't sing well enough, but I am doing another new Broadway show, and I'd love to have you come and read and audition for it because I think you're adorable. And I said, great. And he said, "Um, come next week. Uh, And the show was called um, Dream Girls. Now, if uh, you don't know, it's an all-black cast. Right. And I had no place in that show. Um, <laughs> and I got there, and there's Sherry Lee Ralph and all these other brilliant singers. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's like one white reporter. And of course, I didn't get that job. He was just being nice. Um, and then after that, I, th- I thought, I don't think this is going to work. And I happened to have been friendly with um, the original RoboCop, Peter Weller, at the oh. time. Who's the sex pot back then. That's what my mom would say. He's a sex pot. Sex pot. And he said, I think you should meet my agent. And I said, Okay. And I thought, he thought I had, like, I was bringing it. Like, yeah. You know. No. He said, you know, you're a people person. You should be my agent. I think you should be an oh, agent. fuck. Fuck me. So <laughs> I listened. I went. Who can say no to RoboCop? And I spent the next 20 years you got it. Here's being what, an agent. That was it. You got to follow it. the road that actually approaches you. Yeah. I, I found this out. Like, I'll go chasing something. I'm like, I got this. I got this. And then something will come to me That's that right. I wasn't looking for. And I'm like, uh, sure, whatever. And then. Then Same thing with dating. Don't chase okay. what you can't have. Good to know. Chase what you what you should have. I'm dating. And I'm not the, saying that. I'm dating the phone. It has a vibrator app. 
Well, I uh, that's, that up. sounds good to me. <laughs> sit on it long enough. But <laughs> the bottom line is you don't chase things that um, aren't, aren't meant answering to be. the call and they're not meant to be because then you start self-flagellating and feeling really bad about yourself. Yeah. And we all deserve to feel really good about ourselves. The guy I'm living yeah, married with that. now for 20 years, he makes me feel good about myself every day wow. because – he finds me amusing. I find him adorable. We're, He's we very respect good looking. each other. He's adorable. I love very that calm. guy. Super calm. He's the opposite of me. He's shy. Well, I think that's important. Shy. He's very brilliant. He doesn't seem shy. So he can shy. hold his weight. Well, he's better now. But when I first met him, he was pretty shy. I my think that's a good thing. Shy too. Yeah, but it is sweet because, like, when I I remember on our first date, I thought it was such an endearing quality that he was like really listening to what I had to say. Yes, I'm not. A, yeah. I, I'm not a good listener. He's I'm thinking good. about the next thing I'm going to say. Me too. That's because we're writers. That's what we do. We're, we already have like the whole dialogues already written out. Yeah, and you think you know what they're going to say next when you say what you're going right. to say. So, what is the what is your favorite story that you've told? Oh, gosh. Um, I have to say, and it might be sentimental, but my first story that I that I ever told that oh. won my first slam in L.A. at a moth, that Brian Finkelstein, who's an amazing host, moth So host. You, your first slam was in L.A., even though you live in New York. That's correct. I was out there visiting my daughter, who had just moved there for work. Nice. She still live out there? Uh, she still lives out there. She You're lives lucky. in Venice Beach. She has a great life. Lives with her adorable boyfriend, James. Awesome. Kira's great. And she works in talent management, just like her like mom. Like her mom. Just like her mom. And I just, like on a lark, I saw that there was going to be a moth slam at a place called Los Globos, which was in like the Silver Lake area, I guess, in the hipster area. Mm-hmm. I thought, what the hell, I'll go. And I went. I had no idea what I was doing. I just showed up, put my name in the bag. You knew what you were doing because you had a story. Well, I had already told, I had already gone to David Krabs. He was my coach. I already okay. taken his class. So you had so a story ready. I had the story ready. There's been people who are like, oh, no, I don't no. know what I was until I got up. And oh, I'm like, no, oh, no. God, dear Lord, no. Oh, God, no, no, no. I have too much respect for the whole art of the storytelling. No, mm-hmm. I, I prepare for everything. I, I mean, I'm definitely, nothing right. is by chance. Everything no. I've done in my life is prepared. You know, I might have had wish lists of things that I wanted to happen, but I made them happen. Yeah. It wasn't like someone just gave me anything. No, I, I know. my ass off. So I went and I and I put my name in the hat. I even knew like the timing of it. Like I worked it out because yeah. when you go to a mall, the work. stories have to be under six minutes. And I threw my name in the hat. I went second, you know. I wasn't even like in it enough to know that you usually don't do well when you go like the first Three first or half. four, because there's drunk scoring and the right. judges are amateurs. We want to go second. We're just so happy. So I went second um, and I won. Oh, <gasps> what I won. was the story? So the story is about how when I was in middle school, which we didn't call middle school, we called it junior high. Right. In the olden days. Um, I was put in this special class with smart people. It was called the IGC for Intellectually Gifted Children, which I know was a clerical error. Yeah, I was I, never in that class. Not supposed to be there. And I was, I was put called in late. just barely skating by class. I was, should have been in skating by. And they didn't put me in until sixth grade, which meant I really didn't belong because all the other kids were put in the fourth grade. So I was moved to a new school, and it was in the fancier part of town where all the girls' parents had money. So the girls had, like, cashmere sweaters and circle pins, you know, and pinky rings. And I was wearing— was that a thing? It was a thing back then. And <laughs> I was wearing rings. like my fake dance skins, which dance skins were a clothing yeah. thing. But mine were like the fake version, which were obvious and like white kids, which were not cool. White kids, yeah. And my hair. I mean, I was so unkempt. I, I mean, I laugh about it now, but I really did look like Phil Spector. I mean, <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad. And the kids did like me because I was I had like a lazy eye. I had bad teeth. 
I was a little short. I Gollum. It was bad. So I wasn't having a good time at all. It was a bad year. And one thing after another, I was really tortured. And I was That's bullied. Horrible. And okay, but I somehow worked it out. Okay, because I grew up tough. And they, tough skin. you know, invented hair blowers and irons. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Lockerman fixed my lazy eye. And then I had a good orthodontist. I thought you were going to say Doctor Scholes. I was like, yeah, yeah, fix the eye. You don't have to look like Marty Feldman forever. <laughs> so I kind of worked all that shit out. And then I have this career, and I'm a talent agent. And it's like the era of Joan Collins shoulder pads. Oh and yeah, tight skirts and. I was smoking my Tarritons at my desk all day long and ordering Tarritons. and pointing. Oh. <gasps> Oof. I was like, the I had boss. a pack of those once Love in my those. smoking days. There, they're they're like hardcore. Those down. What was it? There was something Oof, unique about the Tarritons, though. Um, I don't know. Was it had like charcoal in it? There was something about the filter. I don't like, know. Like, parliaments have a weird filter, but there was something about Tarriton? I don't yes. know. But it was strong cigarette. They were strong. It was like the red and white pack. Yep. And it was cheap then. You could buy a pack of cigarettes for like a buck. I don't yeah. remember, but. Yeah, it's like I'm Abe Lincoln walking to school 12 miles. Anyway, so um, so now I'm a talent agent and I have a whole staff. I have three assistants to myself. You know, it's like, and nice. I'm loving all of it. I am not, like, I'm a, you know, I could, I was tough. I wasn't that easy a boss. And then one day, we in the olden days before the internet, you got pictures and resumes in the mail and stacks. Right. Like, you had to go through them. And you look in the pictures. manila envelopes. Yeah, in the manila envelopes. You had to open up the envelopes. So my assistant would open up all the envelopes and put a stack of these pictures on my desk. And one day I'm going through the envelopes and I see a girl and I look at her face. And I know it's unmistakable. It's this girl who was the worst villain in the sixth grade. She <gasps> was the one who Fuck bullied her. me. She was a cunt. She was the worst. Yeah, she had, like see soulless you next eyes. Tuesday, bitch. So I did not. It, Don't call her. Oh, oh no! I did the opposite. I told my assistant. I said, "You call her. And you set her up and have her come in. She doesn't know who I am. I have a new name. I'm married now. I got the eyeball fixed. I got my eyeball fixed. My hair shines now. I'm wearing expensive clothes. I'm wearing good shoes. I have on like I'm wearing jewelry. So bring I said, her in. And bring her in. And she's not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm going to, this Bust shit's going to be fucking real. Tell so me. So I set her up and she's all excited, I'm sure, you know, because we had a pretty what big a agency. Bitch. And then I get there in the morning to do like pre-production. I take all the photos on my desk and I face them out so she can see my life is really you good. You fan them out. Fan them out. I fan out. I've got them out. children and husband, even though I wasn't crazy about my husband at the time, but I had my husband. Right, that guy. Had a very big house that looked like it was fancy and you know, and like famous actors kissing me on the cheek. I had it yeah. all laid out. Yeah. I had all the gifts every actor gave me, you know, like James Earl Jones gave me a pen, whatever it was, wow. all laid out. Then she comes in and I tell the reception, I said, okay, make her just sit out there for a while. Tell her the ladies room's not working. Don't let her use the bathroom. <laughs> and don't give her any copy to read. I give all actors something to read. So they, you know, it breaks the ice. They come in, they read commercial yeah. copy. I said, no, just let her sit there and stew for a yes. long time. So 40 minutes pass, and I say to 40 my sister, 40 minutes? And I knew she'd stay. Like, nobody leaves. So I said, all right, bring the bitch in. So now, meanwhile, my staff, they're all like me. We're all misfits. We were all like those glee kids, like, right. with, like you know, glee doing club. jazz hands at the, yep. like, in the school cafeteria. Everyone hated us. And like, when you're together, it's power. Oh, like, yeah, we were singing Godspell. Like, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. So she comes in. She still doesn't recognize me, thank God, because I really was such a hot fucking mess when I was a kid. And we start talking, and I said, Amy... Do I look familiar to you at all? And she's no. I said, well, does the name and Handelman. was she being really nice to you? So suck up to the Googleplex. Yeah. So I said, well, does the last name Handelman? And and then all of a sudden, it's like you could see it in her Starts eyes. Clicking. It's like Bambi in the headlights, you know, yeah. a deer on the middle of you know the Palisades. And she's like, <laughs> oh, and now she's trying to put it together, like, oh, what a coincidence. <gasps> and I just flatly said to her, I said, you know, Amy, I only brought you in here. I want to see how you turned out. Ah! 
because I turned out really well. And then I had the name Here's of our agency right behind my head. I said, that's my M after the ampersand. That's me. <laughs> this is my agency. I have this like, is a my whole empire. Life. And I said, I just was curious, do you have any children? She goes, yeah, I have a daughter. I said, well, did she grow up to be a bitch? Is like, is she as bitchy as you? I said something really horrible. Oh and she knew at this point that I had just really... You know, it was, this yeah. was, you know, I was nice. raining down all of my hostility. So I said, Amy, I have no like intention movie. of helping you. Why would I help you? I said, you were the most horrific, mean girl ever. You treated me. I used to go home every night and cry every night because of you. You had that power over me. I'll never let anyone have that power over me. You got to face your bully? I faced my bully. I said, was she crying? No, she was like white as a ghost. She, she just, was in shock. She was in shock. I said, and I got up, which is a signal for any human being. That means if you get up, they get up. Yeah. I said, you know, I hope your life turns out well, but I fear karma is a bitch, um, and I just needed you to know that what you did had consequences. Then. Yeah. Good. But maybe I should say thank you because my life turned out really well in spite of people like you. I said, good. so treat your teach your daughter, you know, how to, to be, be kind. a human being and be kind. Because kindness is more important than anything else, you know. And uh, have a good day. Bye. And then I was just like, she shuffled out, like walking out backwards, you know. Wow. But, and my whole staff, like I, I said, I did that for all of us. They said, like, fuck you, you did it for yourself, which is true. <laughs> but I felt like that, like it was like, and I used to think, like, you know, I used to think to myself, like, you know, are you like you're bringing yourself down to her level? Like you're being a bully too. <laughs> And then I, you know, it's I thought okay. about it and I was like, eh, fuck that. I don't care. Yeah. Yes, I can be a bully. Yeah. I'm going to be a bully. I could, I'm going to do that just You got to mirror that. You know, it's like, I don't know about you, but <laughs> did you ever have that experience when you were young where someone was being so cruel and you thought when I'm on Johnny Carson or David Letterman, right. I'm going to just had face that, I'm going to face that camera yeah. and I'm going to say to the audience and those millions of people watching, yeah. I'm going to say their whole name and I'm going to tell them, <laughs> suck it. Yeah. I'm on the couch with. David Letterman, right? <laughs> and that was the fourth story that you told in L.A. That was the first story I told in L.A. People went wild. That moth. People went crazy. And that because I went second, I didn't understand that. But it's Ooh, so unusual rough. to go to be your second first and story then win. and go second and then win. It was really quite. And then I started going. Then it's like an addiction. Oh, it's because addiction. Because it's like playing bingo. You want to win. You know, you keep yeah. going. And I noticed there's a, there is definitely a trend. It's a gambling game. You could watch it with our storytelling friends. And it's a funny pattern to watch. Yes. You know, you go a little, you dabble a little bit. And then you win one. And, and you then win you're win. hooked. Then shit gets serious. Then shit gets serious. And then you start showing up a lot and putting your name in all the time because you want to keep getting that feeling again. Yeah, that high. It's like, and we all started doing this before we were on like Instagram and stuff where you got right. immediate gratification. Right. The only gratification you had was a live audience. A live reacting. audience. Or, yeah, because I wasn't submitting work to the New Yorker. You know, you had to have that live audience. Yeah. And it was addicting. And there was this opportunity because it was an open mic. It was open to anybody. Yep. It was so democratic. Yes. And then we started realizing, oh, we can get better at this and actually get booked on real gigs right. to do this is what, you know, you and I started doing. Really work on the craft. Great. Yeah. Really work on the craft. And I worked with David Crabb for a long time. Even after I started winning those slams, he developed with me uh, my solo show that I had done. I, I haven't um, seen yeah. it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, is I it on video it. or no? Uh, there, there's a full video of it. I did okay. it at the Tank Theater. It was part of the Dead uh, Parents Club. Oh, right. Um, and Susan Kent uh, produced it, and she's a genius. And she yeah, there were some it. good people in that. Yeah, it was great. It was actually a really Jamie good Brickhouse. Thing. Jamie maybe? Brickhouse yeah. did it, and um, I think 
Uh, Sharon Spell, maybe? Sharon Spell did yeah. it. Yeah. And Julie Thorakel might have done it. Okay. And there were a lot of really cool people yeah. who did it. It was really good. Yeah, that's a good um, theme. It was great. So Brad, I think Brad Lawrence might have done one. Probably, yep. It was great. So, and Susan Kent. And so anyway, so yeah, so I feel like um, what I would have told my actors when I was as an agent is, you know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? We all know you got to practice a lot. Yeah. And then practice some more. Well, that's with everything. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to be good at something... You got to get the work done. Don't yeah. complain when you don't get a job if you didn't do the work. Right. Got to do the work. Yeah. Got to show up and do the homework. It doesn't just happen. Nope. Got to do the work. It's like a comedian will tell you, you know, they don't just keep get perfecting. discovered. It takes them years before they get no, their first keep good perfecting. set. Got to keep going back and doing yeah. more and more and more. And you have to be willing to fail and be really shitty. That's sometimes. the hard part. And it's really That's hard. frightening. Especially, I mean, I'm 62 and I don't like failing. Because I've no lived such does. a controlled life. It's like the idea of making an ass of myself. Well, is no one hard. wants to fail in front of a That's live right. audience. It's Especially a little bit when hard. a lot we, of them our are stakes your are a lot higher. And a lot of them are our peers. We know a lot of these people. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with them because I feel like they are supportive and they get it. It's right. just the audience, like these bunch of strangers oh, I don't hard. know. That it's like, it, I don't want to let people down. Yeah, those people love don't me. bother me. The strangers don't bother me. It's the ones <sighs> I know. Yeah. Like, I, like I love doing out of town shows. Because I figure the Freedom. stakes are not as high for me because I'm going to do my best always. Yeah. But if they don't get it, it's like, okay, well, then I'll move to another – like, just do the show in another city or whatever. Right. It's fine. Right. And I usually do really well out of town because it's a unique audience and they don't know what to expect. So they have right. no expectation. Like it's in New, New York, I know you probably feel this. Like a lot of people know us so they think they know what we're right. like. So they expect something of us. Absolutely. And so if we have an off You've night. You've got to match it or do better. That's right. If we have an off night or if we're not really on our A game. Right. But if you're just, in St. Louis, yeah. they love you. Yeah, they think, oh, this who is this crazy old lady? <laughs> this is great. So, you know, like I do yeah. notice, like I'll get booked on some shows because I'm the one token – like white old Jewish lady as opposed to like all the other tokens they'll have in there, which mm -hmm. is sometimes very clear there are like mm -hmm. different, you know, groupings in there. Like I would never a lot be of personas. like there are a lot of women that I totally look up to. I put them on a pedestal mm -hmm. like Ophira, Eisenberg, Kate Tellers oh God, yeah. and some of these others. But I would you it's not typical for me to ever be booked with them. Not that I'm saying I'm on the same level with Ophira, but we're, where there's certain similarities in just our way of thinking. Yeah. That if like usually what'll happen and I have no I'm proud of this if someone says Ophira's not available are you free wow I'm like I am so flattered and that's so fine with me Where's and I happened? have zero zero ego about it it's happened a few times you know just like a local show like we try to book Ophira but she's too busy Jesus and they're honest they'll say, I'm like are you kidding yes I'm free and thank you for saying that's that that's awesome so and I think the the um, the trick in doing this kind of work well is putting your ego aside and just developing you know like my teenage daughters used to say you do you like just mm -hmm. you do you you know whatever that line is whatever you're I doing agree. don't try to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time and don't get frustrated if you're not booked on shows with lots of really hip adorable 30 year olds you don't necessarily belong on those shows right it's totally fine find your lane stick with it yeah and you can spread out a little bit but just have fun and and let your ego get into the backseat of the car and don't worry about it so much i and, and just yeah. work and i you know i'll do a show one night for 400 people where people pay money and then the next night i'll be in a basement with right. four people right and we practically got to pay them to show up right and that's just as important but as that's show. part of the business that's baby it. that's part of that that's the that's nature it. of the and that's biz. where you get to work shit out too you do yeah 
you do get to work shit out. And you also meet people that way. Absolutely. Or you might be tired that night and you don't want to appease an entire crowd That's either. Right. So you're like, you know what? That was fine. Yeah. Yes, and the people usually. that run these shows have been so kind Absolutely. and generous. And it's just like, oh, it's just a good community. So adorable. And I, you know, as a mom, sometimes my heart goes out for them. I know how much trouble they went through to put this thing I know. together where they made like their poster and yeah. they ran their ads and it's all that work. And they have someone handling the box and they have a sound person and they even bring in a photographer and I'm yeah. doing the math. And, <clears throat> and I realize that the people in the audience are all like members of the immediate family or they're performing right. in the show with me. Right. And I just feel so bad. It's the I other just, performers. I want to like somehow make a donation to something because I feel like, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they seem happy. They're fine. They're it's doing what they want to do. Have you ever done improv? It's painful. Yes, it's painful. Painful. Ugh, I was like, God. some. I just got, I've got something that's really going to be funny. And then this uh, girl walks out. She's like, I'm a little baby. I'm like, no, you're an uh, asshole because now everything's ruined. Now you just fuck me up. Yeah, I don't do group stuff. Yeah. I do this thing. I've done it a few times, which is really fun. It's the Armando Diaz Project. Have What's you ever that? done that? It's at the Magnet Theater. And it's this really good improv group. They're really good. They, I mean, they are good. Mm-hmm. And I'd be their liturg- Is that what you call a liturgist? Is that what you call it? The writer? The That sounds fancy. I don't that know. sounds fancy. I don't know. I never graduated college. I'm the thing. The person who, who's got the story. And they have me as their guest. And I would tell oh, a story. And then they, yes. they come up with an improv about it. It's the okay. coolest thing. So how did you find your way into storytelling? So you did the agent thing. So I did the agent thing you for a You met a great guy. Time, uh, made a great guy. And then I took some time off. And then I decided I wanted to start writing. But I thought, I'm not really a great writer. But I really kind of miss performing. And I was really lucky because I took a uh, comedy writing workshop at Gotham. Yeah, that's a great place. And I did it with Sarah Barron. You did and it with Sarah Barron. And that was amazing because she's a fucking genius she's so funny so funny and so good as a teacher and such a wonderful human being another and good she person trained me. like another yes. person that Oof, you love you see who's really funny and talented but you there's something really good about them that's, uh, that's sarah baron humanity and love. so we sort of have the same experience my introduction to sarah baron is who's this adorable redhead who lives in london now and she's so talented oh. she really is she's just naturally funny and yeah. i remember it was my first time at the moth Ever. And I was going to go up and tell a story. Was she hosting? She was hosting. Didn't know who she was. Went up and told about a one-night stand with a fireman. Crowd went nuts. And as I finished, I remember her bowing down. Oh, my God. Bridget O'Neill. Bridget O'Neill. Fireman. Yes. Like, I'll just remember. I'll never forget it because yeah. I just felt so supported. Because it's, it's so, so good. scary to go up the first yeah, time. it is. And she was just like, oh, yes. Yeah. It felt like you were, you had wanted to be, you were pledged to the favorite sorority. And yeah. And you were just told, you have carte blanche. You can pick yeah. any sorority you want. You could be in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it felt Isn't good. It, it's amazing, right? And I just fell I in love with her. And then I read her book after that. Yeah. I read which that was book. Something to, what was it called? She said, about, like, I think, two books. It's about having sex in, like, the... Yeah, the, I can't remember the title. Banana Republic bathroom. It's all good. Like, I think she actually had two books. They were both amazing. Okay. I could be making that up, but I thought so. But I love her so much. And I had so much respect for what she was doing because um, she had told me, and I went to see her perform uh, hosting a show, and I had so much We're respect at. for it. It was at the Moth. Mm-hmm. And I had so much respect. I thought, oh, wait a minute. I could write, but I'm not that great a writer because I'm not a grammarian and I have a lot of ideas. Neither. But I'm much better at telling it than well, writing it. Well, because it quicker. It's quicker. So you you're, you're writing. Response. I'm writing. It's very insular. It takes a long time. I suck at typing. It doesn't come out funny when I'm typing it. But then with storytelling, it's immediate. That's right. You have an audience. Yeah. You're in, 
they're engaged. That's right. Hope. Yeah. Um, and that's so I need it's that like a sharing. And I'm just like, I don't know about the writing thing. Yeah. Like I just, it's harder. It's, it's so hard. hard. And it's I'm also really hard. lazy by nature. That's, Me too. Which I'm okay about. I mean, that's I, why I had to take the Gotham class. Yeah. And then was like, I keep spending all my money on Gotham and these writing retreats. I'll yeah. take my money, invest it into a master's program. Well, that was probably very smart. Get the feedback and the deadlines that I need. Right. And I still haven't finished my book, and I finished. Um, so now I'm podcasting. Yeah, but you're not exactly lazy. I mean, you teach, you're doing this, you do all kinds of things. I'm tired, Sandy. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Life ain't easy, girl. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Just but there is the, the gratification of the doing in front of an audience is really what it is. It that's is. My that's why we show up. That's why we show up. Thanks for listening, guys. And a special thank you to Dan Walnicki, our audio engineer, and Jared Bruder, designer and founder of the Dandy Group, who designed our logo. See you next time.